May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So we established pretty clearly this summer that, that I'm a nerd and that I like history and I like all of this. One of the things you need to know about me is I subscribe to and read Smithsonian Magazine. Maybe y'all do too. It's great. Pictures are great. Articles are great. Um, or maybe it's just me. Anyway, a couple of months ago, they had a follow-up on an article because a couple years ago, um, they found archaeologists in the Holy Land in the Israel found uh, this clay pottery. Not exactly sure what it is, if it was a pot, if it was tablets, if, if what. They found these a couple years ago, and it was a big deal, right? Like, anytime you find something like this in the Holy Land, like, they shut down things, right? So, really crazy, like, they don't really do that around here because we don't care about history too much in Texas. But (laughs) when I was in Virginia in seminary, they were um, building new, new student housing. And there was one day I was in the library, and I look outside, and, you know, you're watching the people dig and all of that. And, like, there was this big commotion. They had to stop the digging because what they found was a Civil War landfill, essentially. So they were digging underneath, and they found, you know, bottles and, and trash. But in Virginia, they, they have old things. We don't have old things around here. It shut down construction for weeks. They had to bring in archaeologists. They had to do all of this, all because they found some trash. That's completely aside. That has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but they found this, and, and it took them a while, right? They talked to all these experts, and they didn't, they didn't really know what they had. And they finally talked to a, to a linguist expert who, who thought that, that this is writing. They think it's writing. And, and so there's some talk that like maybe this is actually the link between hieroglyphics, at least in the ancient Near East, right? Hieroglyphics and the actual structured alphabet that would come later. This is maybe the missing link because this, the scholar thinks like the first line, like you can kind of see two lines of text there. The first line, like maybe it looks like the word servant or slave. Right? And the second line, it, it looks kind of similar to, to the word honey. And so, But then other scholars are like, we don't know if you read these left to right or right to left, and so maybe it's nothing at all. Right? And so there's a whole lot of what Paul calls today wrangling over words on this. Right? Maybe it says servant. Maybe it says honey. Maybe it's just markings because someone was bored. I see the bulletins y'all leave in the pews. <laughs> There's a lot of wrangling over words. Paul talks about words today in the scriptures. Uh, And a focus on that, and even Jeremiah, even our Hebrew Bible, Dick, when you read, you start, this is the word of the prophet Jeremiah, right? This is the idea that this is the word that is handed down from one person to the next, right? And this is Paul who, as we've established, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, his second one. He's in prison, right? He's in chains. He he thinks, maybe he knows his life is coming to an end, and so he's trying to pass on his experience, his understanding, his all of it. He's trying to pass it on to Timothy, because remember, Timothy is, is one of the guys who was following along on his journeys, and 
they set up these churches, and at one of these churches, Timothy stayed behind to lead that church. And so Paul is trying to hand on uh, this legacy to him. And we talked about that last week. Who are we handing our legacy on to? And so in that, Paul is, is saying, like, remember the word of God. And he doesn't just say that, right? Like, Paul, who is in chains, he reminds Timothy, this word of God can't be chained. And so I'm not, I'm not preaching next week, so I'm, I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to talk about next week's passage as well. Maybe I is going to do this, maybe not. I don't know what he's going to preach. That's above my pay grade. But, but next week in the sermon, we get this great line that you've heard it if you've served on a vestry. If you've been ordained, I see someone out there who's been ordained, a couple people. You sign on to this because it comes from this letter of Timothy. We'll read it next week. Where Paul says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for building up, all of this. It goes on to say that. You've probably heard that. and It's, it's a great way that we hold up the Bible and we say, all of this, all 66 books. Old and New Testament, all these stories, they're useful, they're helpful. This is what we need to know. Here's the thing. When Paul said that, first off, Paul wasn't talking about himself. So it's like basically all of the New Testament, we don't need to worry about that. Paul wasn't talking about the Gospels because they weren't written down. They weren't scripture. They were stories being passed around at that point. So it's like all the New Testament Paul's not talking about. So when Paul's talking about all that scripture... We're, what we're left with is the Old Testament. And we have differing understandings of that. And so I just want to caution us when we hear that next week and we hear all scripture is inspired by God, that's a passage that, that sometimes get used, gets used as a hammer. Right? When you hold up the Bible as like, and please, this is going out on YouTube, please don't hear me say, you know, someone who claims the term evangelical, please don't hear me say that the Bible is not something that's important. Right? But I think we need to understand the Bible in its place, especially today when we have Paul talking about the word that can't be chained. Because I don't think Paul's talking about the Bible. When Paul talks about this word, this enduring word that we're going to talk about today, he's not talking about the Bible. Because the Bible is just a collection of broken clay pieces that we looked at that people try to figure out what it means and piece it together and tape up the thing that was ripped up and, and try to figure it out. And it's all on paper that maybe someday will fade away. When Paul talks about the word that can't be chained, he's talking about the word of God. He's talking about the word made flesh. He's talking about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nothing more and nothing less. There's a lot we add to that word. Paul himself added a lot to that word, and, and we wrestle with that today. But, but what I think he's getting at here when he hands down to Timothy, when he hands on this legacy to Timothy, and he's like, remind them of this word that can't be chained. He's not handing on like a set of doctrinal beliefs. He's not handing on a catechism of things you have to agree with. He's not handing on position papers or dogma or any of that. He's handing on the story of Jesus. 
the story of this person who lived and healed and loved and died once for all. The story that seems really hard to believe that someone would do this, but then it even gets a little bit harder to believe because God raised this guy from the dead. And if God can raise this guy from the dead, you can be pretty certain that there's no way that this word can be chained. That is the enduring word Paul's talking about. Nothing more, nothing less than the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But we're human, and Paul knows that. And so he knows that we're going to wrangle over words to use his language. Like, like, we don't even know if things are supposed to be read right to left or left to right. And so we look at the Bible and we take this scripture. And in class just a minute ago, we looked at one scripture that some people read to say you can't eat meat. Sorry, if you eat meat, scripture apparently forbids that. Where's Mary Beth? Blame Mary Beth. She's the one that pointed that out. But that same scripture is sometimes used as people when they prepare to go out and hunt meat. Right? People wrangle over words. People read into Scripture what they want it to say. Churches do it. Denominations do it. Individual people do it. Right? When we pass on the Scripture to folks, it's a really dangerous thing. Because people are able to read these words and wrestle with it themselves, question it themselves, form their own thoughts and beliefs about it. And sometimes my thoughts and beliefs about this are going to be different than your thoughts and beliefs, and so we're going to wrangle over it. And sometimes we focus too much on that. And so what does Paul say happens there? He says it only leads to ruin. And so all these church mission statements and and statements of belief and catechisms and diocesan resolution, all these things that we wrangle over and we put forth and we say, this is it. They're just on paper. And 4,000 years from now, someone's going to look at it and say, I don't know if that's supposed to be read right to left or left to right. (laughs) The word that endures is Jesus. The example that he set, the lessons that he taught, his life, the way he loved. Like, take our gospel, right? Like, our gospel is, you could preach about gratitude here. You could preach about miraculous powers of healing. You could preach about a lot of things. But what happens is ten people get healed. They all go away. One of them comes back, and Jesus praises this guy who comes back. But the real kicker here, the real thing that upends every understanding of scripture at that time a lot of understanding of scripture at this time the person who came back he was a Samaritan he was the one who didn't belong he was the one who probably shouldn't have been healed in the first place he was the one that why Jesus did you have to do it for him the life death and resurrection of Jesus upends everything we think we know about the world it upends everything we think we know about the word. Because it's really easy to pick and choose Bible verses that, that fit into what we want them to say. 
it's really easy to, to pick and choose aspects of our faith to, to fit what, what we want to do. But it's really dangerous when we start to read Scripture for what it really is. When we read in these stories of Jesus, the, the people Jesus hung out with, like there's a reason we read in Scripture that all the religious people of the day got mad at Jesus for hanging out with those folks. Because Jesus was doing it on purpose. And so why today do we sometimes just want to hang around with the right folks? Why today do we just sometimes want a gospel small enough that we can fit it inside our churches? Why today do we want a word small enough to be chained? When we really read the scripture for what it says, we realize that this whole operation from Genesis from the beginning all the way to Revelation and everything in between, all of it is to show us that any box we set up, any boundaries we try to erect, any separation we try to have from one another, any chaining up that we try to do, God is in the business of tearing those down and breaking those apart. We think about when we ourselves or when we're walking with someone who's grieving. When we're walking with someone struggling with loss or approaching their own death. It's nice to hand them a book about grief. Sometimes that's helpful. But anyone could do that. What we can offer that person is this enduring word, like Paul says, if we have died with Christ, we will live with him. We offer something more than just words on a page. When we feel left out, when we feel excluded, when we're walking alongside someone who feels like they're on the outside looking in, or someone who just can't win, someone where everything seems to be going against him, We don't just offer a pat on the back. We don't just offer words of encouragement saying you can do it. Those things are nice. But those things fade away. What we offer is the enduring word. As Paul says today, if we endure, we will also reign with him. We offer the hope that the struggles of this present life aren't all that there are. And when we struggle or question everything we think we believe, when we wrestle with how any of this could be true, when we wonder if any of this even matters, we don't just hand someone a catechism. Number one, none of us can even find the catechism in here. (laughs) It's in here, I promise. We don't hand them a a position paper. The Episcopal Church says this, or St. Martin says this, because those things fade away. What we offer is the enduring word. As Paul says in our reading today, when we are faithless, God remains faithful. The life, the death, 
and the resurrection of Jesus upends everything we think is right in the world. The way things ought to be, the people who ought to be there, the things we ought to do when we really read scripture, when we really try to understand what God's trying to get at, when we really look at who Jesus is and what Jesus did. It changes everything. And so we can argue over values and we can debate worldviews. This is important stuff. It's sometimes fun stuff. Maybe it's just fun for me. But, but we can talk about these things, right? Faithful Christians can disagree about things. But when we focus too much on the disagreements, when we focus too much over finer points of theology, when we focus too much on stuff that isn't going to endure, we lose sight of what really matters and what we're called to do. Because what we are offered and what we are called to offer the world is nothing more and nothing less than the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And that's the word that endures. Amen.